Girlfriends, episode number 225, Four Ways to Support Your Kids' Faith Lives. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about supporting our kids' faith lives. The number one question I get from moms, let's get going. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up for the newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Always glad to be able to connect with you here, especially this early morning, this beautiful, glorious, feels like summer morning here in New Hampshire. We have not been getting this weather, so I am thrilled. Beautiful sunshine. I'm recording this outdoors. I'm not in the Tiki Hut, but I'm out in our yard and I'm sitting in the sun. The Tiki Hut was a little too shady for me this morning. But anyway, outdoors. It's glorious. I hope it is glorious wherever you are. I hope you are having a glorious transition from pandemic to a different kind of normal life. I don't know what's going on where you are. Here, we're going out a little tiny bit more. There was an email that went out about the boys possibly having some form of a baseball season this summer. And my heart leapt for joy because I thought, okay, here's something that they could do um, that would be along the lines of normal. But I hope you are enjoying some things that are along the lines of normal, but also some things that aren't. I've been more and more trying to see the humor in some of our situations. One recent day, uh, I saw the humor and I was unfortunately the butt of that humor because... (laughs) So I haven't been going out. I haven't been going into stores. When uh, we buy groceries, for the most part, I've been using Walmart pickup, which I never did before any of this. And now that's pretty much exclusively the way I shop for groceries. It's just the best option for us where we live. And, um, you know, just going without if it wasn't available through Walmart pickup. And whenever we need to go in somewhere, my husband's been the one who's gone into stores. And that's not because I'm not willing. Well, no, it partly is because I'm not willing to wear the mask that he has, okay? I am perfectly willing (laughs) to wear a regular face mask, a cloth face mask. Anna Mitchell, who I'm on the radio with uh, once a week on the Sunrise Morning Show out there in uh, Cincinnati, she sent me, because she was making face masks, um, she sent me this beautiful cloth face mask. I got to pick the fabric and everything. Anyway, Dan says that's not good enough. If I'm going into a store, I'm not allowed to wear that. Um, He has this mask that's like better than the N95 or rated better than that. Well, this thing, it's like a construction mask. I think he, he had it for construction. It's the most ridiculous looking thing in the world. Like you put it on and it has these two gigantic. And when I say gigantic, I mean gigantic pieces of pink, bright, hot pink plastic like squares that protrude out from the front of it. Like you look like you are ready to go into like a nuclear zone when you have this thing on your face and it's gigantic and there's a strap that goes over the top of your head. Anyway, Dan has decided since we own this mask that 
this is the only safe way to go into places. So I'm not allowed to go into places unless I'm wearing that mask. And um, I'm really not willing <laughs> to wear that mask. It is so ridiculous. Anyway, Dan puts it on and he goes in uh, when we need to go into places. Mostly he's been going into uh, lumber yards and hardware stores because he's been doing different projects around the house. But I so far have not been willing to wear that mask, except except for the other day when uh, my daughter, Catery, and I were out. And we had decided there were um, some, we were going to be having sort of a little celebration together as a family. And we decided we wanted margaritas. And there's no tequila in the house. Like, we went through the pandemic liquor weeks ago. Okay. There's no liquor in the house. Anyway. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, um, then I need to go into a liquor store, which of course are hope open here in New Hampshire, deemed essential. And that meant I would need to wear this mask. And I was really just hesitating, like, no, how badly do I want a margarita? Well, pretty bad, apparently, because I was willing to put on the mask. I was just like, whatever. People won't even recognize me. And then so we pull up in the parking lot, and then my daughter says, is that Cheryl's car? And now Cheryl is this woman that my daughter used to work with that I know uh, who works in the liquor store. And I was like, oh, yep, that's Cheryl's car. So I'm going to see somebody I know in the store when I have this crazy mask on. And then I just told myself, there's no way anybody can recognize me because I'm going to be wearing this gigantic mask. It is the most ridiculous contraption I would ever put on my face and nobody's going to recognize me. So I decided it was okay. So I go into the liquor store with this ridiculous mask on and um, first thing I did was lock eyes with Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl, I think, listens to the Girlfriends podcast sometimes. If you're listening, Cheryl, hey, this story includes you. Anyway, um, and she says, Danielle. <laughs> and honestly, it felt like a funny scene from a movie, as many parts of life have felt recently, right? Um, and it was like, yeah, I proceed to have a conversation with Cheryl through this ridiculous mask that I never would have put on were it not for margaritas and how badly I wanted a margarita that day. Anyway, that's my pandemic story. So there are lots of stories like that um, that can just make us smile, that can just make us laugh. Um, I would make you laugh by posting a photo of me in this mask, except I don't know. I don't know that my my ego can take that. <laughs> I don't know. I'll give it some thought. Um, maybe if my hair looks fabulous. Although, no, your hair couldn't look fabulous because it has a strap that goes over the top of your head. I don't know. I'll, I'll give it some thought. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to make you guys um, do something for me to get that photo <laughs> if you want it that badly. If you want it as badly as I wanted a margarita. Um, <laughs> we shall see. Anyway, that's my way of looking at the humor because guess what? It's everywhere if you look for it. There are ridiculous situations going on right now. Lots of ways for us to laugh at ourselves and laugh at our current situation. Um, and I, I think it's really healthy to actually do that. So I'm going to encourage you to look for the humor. That was just my little side story before we dive into this week's topic. So let's get right to this week's topic, which is unrelated to the pandemic, but it's sort of an ongoing evergreen topic because this is the number one thing that moms ask me about, whether it's supporting your kids' faith lives when they go away to college or when they've gone astray or when they're little. They're basically asking me, how do I make sure my kid is going to stay Catholic? How do I do that? How do I lock it in? So today's show is not going to be a guarantee. It's not going to be how you lock it in, even though I want that as much as you do. I get it. I, I get wanting that. 
Um, but I'm just going to talk about ways that can increase the odds and can be supportive of your kids in their faith lives. Because end of the day, your kids have free will. God gave them free will, just like he gave you free will. And they get to make their own choices for good or for bad. And that's one of the most heartbreaking things that we need to come to terms with as parents, that our kids can make choices we don't want them to make. And especially when it involves something as important as their faith lives, we don't want them to be making bad choices. So um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the positive things that we can do to be supporting our kids in their faith lives, whatever age or stage of life your kids are at. Of course, it's going to look different at every age that they're at, but um, there are things that we can be doing no matter how old they are. So I've got four ways that you can, in a positive way, support your kids' faith lives. So the first way I'm going to talk about is be an example. Now, this is powerful stuff, right? Because you can be saying all you want to your kids about the importance of having a daily prayer life, the importance of going to mass, the importance of receiving the sacraments. But if you are not doing those things, none of what you say matters. If you're making excuses and skipping things, none of what you say matters because they are looking at your example, right? That is so much more powerful than any lesson you might ever teach them, any school you might send them to, any religious ed class you might sign them up for, what you are doing. It was the biggest challenge and the biggest frustration for Dan and me years ago when Dan was DRE at a local parish that parents were kind of contradicting what we were doing in the classroom because we would have kids, you know, we'd be teaching them about the importance of going to Mass, the importance of the sacraments, and the parents weren't bringing them to Mass. What are we supposed to do with that, right? So you might not have anything as dramatic as that going on in your household, but I want to encourage you to think about ways in which you might, if your kids are young, just allow them to see you praying. Allow them to see you you know, first thing in the morning, making that time for quiet prayer. We've talked about family prayer times here on the podcast. Um, of course, that's valuable and important, but also value, valuable and important is showing them that you have your own personal daily commitment to prayer, whatever that looks like, whether it's spending just five quiet minutes before your day starts or at the end of your day. And if it's not in a way that they can see you doing it, then you can talk about it, not in a way like <laughs> bragging about it or whatever, but it, just sharing with them about your life. I find it, and when the kids were little, I used to be more conscious of attempting to do this in a deliberate way. Just talk about what you're praying for. Or when something difficult happens, let them know you're going to be praying about that thing or you're going to be praying for that person. It's a very natural thing. And, and many times I, I know you are praying for things and praying for people, but maybe not taking that extra step of letting your kids know that that's how you're one of the ways that you're responding to something difficult going on. Um, or one of the ways that you're being grateful. This is something that you can get in the habit of doing. We've talked about the importance of gratitude so many times here on Girlfriends. And uh, it's really important to be that example for your kids of that grateful prayer when something good happens, give them the gift of seeing your example of turning to God in that moment and thanking him. Now, you might not be comfortable dropping to your knees and saying, praise Jesus for whatever good thing happens, but some form of that, you know, tell your kids, I'm so grateful and I'm thanking God. I am praying thankful prayers to God for this wonderful thing that has happened. Or even if it's something small or especially if it's something small. What a great example that is of noticing the small things that we might be grateful for 
and letting your kids know that you are praying thankful prayers, thanking God for those good things in your life. Because at the end of the day, we can give our kids all the lectures we want about how important it is to pray, about how important it is to go to Mass, about how important our faith is to us. And many of us are great at giving those lectures. And I'm not saying the lectures aren't, aren't worthwhile, but they're all worth less if we are not following through and in, in living out that example to our kids. I can tell you, as a cradle Catholic, the most powerful example to me as a kid was the fact that my parents had a daily commitment to praying the rosary together. Oftentimes they would invite slash require us kids to pray it along with them. But uh, many times I was aware of when life was busy, people were distracted, many things were going on, but my parents were making the time, just the two of them before going to bed at night to pray that rosary together. I was very aware of that. And that was a powerful example to me of they're not just talking about this stuff. They are doing it. They are living it. And in all the ways that I respected and admired my parents, seeing that example of them on their knees, worshiping God, praying to Mary, turning to God in all of their needs, that was a powerful example to me. And I've been very aware of that in my own relationship with my kids now as a mom, that I have that opportunity to be that example to them of the power of prayer, the commitment to prayer. If you want them to have that commitment, if you want them to see the value of your faith, live it out yourself. Live like you do value it. Show them that you value it. Be that example in your words, in what you talk about. Um, one thing that I used to love to do when the kids were little was, you know, if you're outside and there's something beautiful, even something powerful going on, like a thunderstorm or at the ocean, seeing the vastness of the ocean, those are beautiful opportunities to talk about God. In nature, we experience some parts of God in the enormity of it, in the power of it, in the beauty of it, to talk about how these things come from God, that God made that. Looking at the stars at night, I used to love to tell the kids that, right? And um, I, I would love it when they, they would talk about it themselves as a result of that. That's their, them making that their own. It's becoming their own way of looking at the universe, framing it in terms of God. God made that. This comes from God. Recognizing that. What a beautiful gift to give your kids. Okay, the next way I want to talk about that you can support your kids in their faith lives is to encourage their questions. I think sometimes we fall into a mode as parents where we're afraid of their questions, especially as they get older and the questions get harder. Or even when they're little, sometimes we don't know how to answer their questions. I There was a woman on the Girlfriends podcast Facebook group uh, just this morning before I came on here who was sharing about how her young son had asked about how can God allow this virus to hurt people? Like, why why is this happening? Why is God allowing this? That's a tough question to answer. It's a tough question to answer in a way that's appropriate for a young child. But then how about when an older child's asking you that question? That can be scary, right? So sometimes we don't want to encourage their questions. But let me tell you, again, going back to my own experience as a child growing up in a Catholic family, what a gift that was for me to just know that my questions were welcome. I could ask anything I wanted. My parents weren't afraid of my questions. My church wasn't afraid of my questions. God wasn't afraid of my questions. Bring it. Bring your doubts. Bring your questions. 
because inside the church, we have access to the truth. Such a beautiful gift that my dad especially gave to me. My dad was a crazy philosophy professor, the yeah, the quirky professor in many ways. Uh, but what a beautiful gift he gave me in his example of lifelong learning, his lifelong search for the truth. What a beautiful gift he gave me to know, first of all, that the truth exists, but then the follow-up to that, we can know it. Not only does the truth exist, but we can find it out. That was such a gift, just knowing those two things, because so many in our world don't know those things. Those are pretty basic, but there's so much about our culture that even rejects that idea that the truth exists or that we can know it. Not that we can know all things, but we can learn what is true and what is good. We can discover what is true. And our church has a beautiful tradition going back centuries to teach us those truths. So what a beautiful gift we have inside the Catholic Church. So you have the opportunity to show that to your kids. You don't have to have all the answers. If they ask a question you don't know the answer to, it is perfectly okay to say, you know what, I don't know, but let's find out. You know, ask ask your pastor. Ask somebody who you know who you trust or ask an online resource that is trustworthy. We can know things. And it's, you know, our church is not afraid of questions. So I think it's a beautiful gift to give your kids and it can really solidify their faith because imagine the opposite, being raised in a faith where you have the the notion that you're not allowed to ask questions about it, right? This is, and we don't ask questions about it. Well, how are kids supposed to make that faith their own? That's the kind of faith that kids are naturally going to reject as they they get older. Like, oh, I'm not allowed to ask questions about that? Well, then um, I don't understand it, and it's not something I'm going to believe is true. So don't be afraid of questions, even though there are hard questions, and there are some that we're never going to fully be able to satisfy and be responsive to on this side of heaven. But the church can tell you some of the most basic things about the meaning of life, why God made us, what he made us for, what is right and what is wrong. We have access to those things and a deep knowledge and understanding of why it is so. We have those answers inside of the church. It's a beautiful gift we have inside of the church and the teachings and the lives of the saints. So give your kids that gift. Give them that fearlessness in the face of the world, fearlessness in the face of any question that the world might bring, that their friends might bring. That was also um, a beautiful thing that I experienced as especially a teenager growing up was that I could bring home friends and they could ask their questions, too. I did, my, my dad was very welcoming of that, you know, um, and that was actually really faith forming for me to know. And as a result of that, you know, it doesn't mean my siblings and I never, never made any bad decisions and never doubted anything or never strayed from our faith in big or small ways. But it does mean that we had a basic understanding of what the truth was and where we had access to it inside of the Catholic Church, a beautiful gift that my parents gave to us. So encourage their questions. All right, number three, related, ask them questions. Now, this doesn't mean you grill your kid about their faith lives because they they might not 
take kindly to that, especially teenagers. But you can ask questions about what what their opinions are about things, what they're thinking about, especially if something difficult is going on. You can ask them their perspective on that, not in a way that's prying, not in a way that's grilling them about their interior lives, but in a way that invites conversation, invites them to share their perspective, invites them to share their point of view. I think sometimes we we ourselves become afraid of asking questions. We're not just afraid of our kids asking us questions. We become afraid of asking them questions, especially as they get older, because we think maybe I'm not going to like the answer. So it's it's safer. It's easier to assume all is well and not ask the questions, not ask what's going on in there. But our kids, even little kids, are sometimes wrestling with big things. And you might not know it if you don't invite the conversation, if you don't initiate the conversation, if you don't let them know you are interested in them, in what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what they're experiencing, how they're experiencing God. What's their experience of their faith lives? How do they experience the sacraments? Again, not in a way that is pressuring or prying. And you know how to do this. You know your kid better than anybody but in a way that invites conversation, whatever age they're at, even if they're a 40-year-old, you know, in if they're a three-year-old, you know how to talk to that person in, in a way that is inviting conversation, getting to know what's going on in their heads. So perhaps there is a question that you'll be able to answer, but they haven't thought to ask it yet because you haven't initiated that conversation. Ask them questions. Yeah, there's a time and a place for, you know, drilling them on their catechism and that kind of thing. We've for sure done our share of that. But maybe ask them about, you know, what story they like best in the Bible or ask them, you know, uh, what what they miss about not going to church during this time that we're away from mass. So asking them questions is a wonderful way to open up a conversation, initiate a conversation, find out a little bit about what's going on inside. But even more importantly than that, to convey to them that you care, that you care about what their perspective is. You're not, this, the faith isn't just something you are placing upon them and demanding that they adopt, that you care about their perspective of it and their experience of it. Ask them those questions. Okay, the last way that I want to mention that you can support and encourage your kids in their faith lives is to be praying for them and offering up for them. Now, we moms, we are prayer warriors, right? <laughs> um, and I, this is something I've been experiencing, especially now at this stage of life where I've got older kids and I've got an emptying nest, right? Only four of our, actually, well, five of them are home this summer, um, which doesn't sound like an empty nest by any means, I'm sure. But to me, it's emptier, it's emptying. My life is quieter and I find I have more time for prayer And I have more time to be praying for my kids. Of course, I've always prayed for my kids, right? In in various ways. Um, Always I've I've done that. But now I find I'm able to go a little deeper inside of that, that prayer life for each of my kids. Um, I just... I just have the time for it in a way that I didn't when they were all small. And and honestly, I don't feel bad about that. I, I might have wasted a little bit of time during those busy years feeling bad about not praying enough for other people, including my own kids, including my own husband, including myself, right? And I just not enough time in prayer. But I don't know, as I go through these different stages of life, I think God has a plan for each of them. And God's plan when you've got a bunch of little kids or, you know, during those crazy early years of parenthood, family life, 
um, looks different from what God's plan for your spiritual life is at a, at a quieter stage of life. And I'm sure the way that I'm experiencing God right now and my relationship with God right now looks different from the way it would in, you know, 15, 20 years from now, when, again, my life is going to be quieter still, different. Um, but I think that, you know, God has a plan for all of that. And he sees us and he knows us right where we are. So don't waste any time feeling bad about where you are in, in your faith life right now. But I want to encourage you to more consciously, more deliberately, perhaps, be diving into prayer for your kids. And maybe you don't have a lot of time to spend on your knees in the chapel. That's okay. You can be praying for your kids in a more active way by offering up for them. And this is a wonderful prayer practice that I think we don't talk about enough inside of our Catholic faith, right? Um, somebody recently mentioned to me the podcast episode called Offer It Up, where we, we talked all about offering up and making sacrifices. And this is such a Catholic concept, right? <laughs> and actually, in a recent webinar that I did with CatholicMom.com, there was a recent convert to the faith. And um, I had, in my presentation, talked about this concept of offering up, encouraging people to be making sacrifices for their marriage. And this new convert in the comments after the presentation asked, what is this offering up? What are you talking about? And so it was it was a funny moment for me because I take it so much for granted, this idea of offering up and how Catholic it is. And some newcomers to our faith, some outsiders to our faith, it might be a foreign concept. So the idea of the fact that the things that we go through, that we suffer through, can have value if we give them back to God. And we can offer up in ways that will have real meaning, real meaning and real effect in, in the grace that God gives us and gives to the people that we want to offer up for, um, if we give them back to God, if we embrace our suffering and unite it with Christ's suffering, it has infinite value. Even tiny things, little things. Um, do some reading on St. Therese in her little way, right? Because her little way was not great big dramatic sacrifices. Sometimes great big dramatic sacrifices feel like the only kind that count. And if you don't have those going on in your life right now, you feel like, well, I don't really have much to give to God. Yes, you do. You have every moment of every day to give to God. You have every moment of disappointment or dissatisfaction or discouragement inside of your day that you can offer up to God every small pain, every annoyance, every bit of work you can offer to God, even your joys, right? Inside of the traditional words of the morning offering, prayers, works, joys, and sufferings, God wants them all. He wants it all, and we can give it all to Him. And you can intentionally give it all to Him for the sake of another person, this is inside of the communion of saints, right? We have the opportunity right now here on earth, we have the opportunity to pray and to offer up for people that are in purgatory, for those that we we know who have died, that we love, that we want to be praying for, even those we don't know. It's a great devotion, if you're not familiar with it, for the poor souls in purgatory, people you don't even know who are waiting for heaven. We can offer up for their sake to get them to heaven. Not that we are earning them heaven in any way, right? Nobody can earn heaven for themselves or anybody else, but we can offer up for them in a way that's going to transform their experience and um, get them out of purgatory and into heaven. And then you'll have a friend in heaven forever, right? What a valuable thing that is. I think it's something we don't talk about enough. I think I'm getting inspired now for a whole future episode <laughs> where we talk about this. Um, but, you know, be offering up for your kids. At the start of your day, maybe intentionally offer your day 
when you're saying your morning offering, you are saying your morning offering, right? We've talked about it enough here, right? In whatever way you say your morning offering, maybe intentionally do it for one of your kids, especially if one of them's going through something, uh, a beautiful way that we can offer up for our kids. Or you might take on a certain sacrifice for the sake of a particular kid. If you are worried about, I hear from moms every single day who are worried about grown children, growing up children, and who are in danger of leaving their faith forever, right? And that's our biggest fear. And when our, our kids make choices like that, that can be so painful for us. And yet what a powerful thing, what an empowering thing to know that we can do something, whether we see immediate results or not, that we know will have value for them to be offering up for them. There might be a sacrifice you take on in your day. We talked about fasting for your marriage in whatever way is appropriate for you and your state of life. Um, but you could also be doing that for your kids. If they're going through something, even if they're not, you know, Maybe pick a different kid each day of the week or something. Um, not that everybody has seven kids. But, you know, having that intention at the start of your day, I think, is a beautiful thing. Or adding a particular sacrifice to your day in some quiet way. Um, doesn't have to be showy. You don't even have to tell the kid it's going on. In fact, maybe it's better if you don't. Um, and just be offering up for them. That's a wonderful way to be intentionally praying and offering up for your your child's sake. What a beautiful gift you can give them as their mother by doing that. Okay, so those are my four ways that I want to talk about. Of course, there are a million ways, but these are the ones that I thought we should focus on here today. First, be an example to support your kids in their faith lives. Then encourage their questions, ask them questions, and then finally pray for them and offer up for them. You might have feedback on this particular topic. What do you do to support your kids in their faith lives? I'd love to hear from you. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer. You know I love it if you'll record a voicemail. I haven't gotten one of those in a while. You could be star of the day. Record a voice memo on your phone and just email it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to add your voice to a future episode of the Girlfriends podcast. Coming up, we've got some listener feedback about drinking. You're not going to want to to miss this question, this topic that's pertinent to many of us. But first, a quick break. We'll be right back. I am Danielle Bean, and you are listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share listener feedback. But before we get to that, I, there's an event I want to be sure to tell you about. And the event is the Catholic Marriage Summit, which is happening the weekend of June 11th. This is an online event, as they all are these days. And I am excited to be a part of it. Dan and I together are going to be presenting as part of this Catholic Marriage Summit. There are a lot of different Catholic couples that are going to be presenting. It's a huge event. There are some big name speakers and authors um, and uh, presenters that are going to be part of this 
online experience, but it's really all couples. So it's couples for couples, connecting with other couples. And that's what I love so much about this concept. It's part of the new ministry, Joyful Ever After, which is all about connecting Catholic couples with other Catholic couples in support of their marriage. So the theme of this online event called the Catholic Marriage Summit happening June 11th is going to be getting the marriage you want from the marriage you have. It's all about taking what you have and taking it to the next level. I am so excited about this event and I want to be sure you get to experience it. And the best part of all, it is 100% free for you to participate in this online event. Again, it's happening June 11th and you can go to joyfuleverafter.org to get more information. I will have that linked in the show notes, but you do need to register. So you got to make sure you go to joyfuleverafter.org to register and get access to all of those presentations that are going to be happening. An easy, simple, free way that you can do something important that is going to improve your marriage. I know listeners here at Girlfriends care deeply about marriage. I do too. And I am excited that Dan agreed. It took a little convincing, but I'm excited that he agreed to be part of this presentation. So if you want to check out Dan, this is the way to do it. (laughs) Go to joyfuleverafter.org. But you know what? I would appreciate it if you would use my link, which is going to be in the show notes to the Girlfriends podcast, because um, it's an affiliate link to this event. And um, they're selling some premium passes, and I'll get a percentage of those sales if you use my link, okay? So you can check it out at joyfuleverafter.org, but I would really be grateful if you are going to register for the conference, that if you would use the link that I'm going to have linked up in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. As always, if you can't remember those links, if you can't remember to go to ascensionpress.com and get that link to Joyful Ever After, you can always text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will get automatically signed up and get all of those links, all of those resources that we talk about here at Girlfriends sent directly to your inbox every week. Easy, simple, don't have to think about it. Text the word girlfriends to 33777. Okay. You're going to register, right? I'm reminding you now. So next we have a question from a reader who um, calls herself Justine but says it's not her real name. And uh, the, the subject line for her email from Justine is, I don't like my drinking. So this caught my attention. She says, Dear Danielle, you mentioned in a recent podcast about how sometimes going for another glass of wine is us seeking comfort in all the wrong places. It made me pause because I have been thinking lately especially during the quarantine, that I don't like my drinking. I tell myself it's not a problem because I don't even drink every day, but it is most days and it can be an entire bottle of wine some nights. I often feel terrible in the morning after a night of drinking and I tell myself I will never drink again, but then I go again. It doesn't help that my husband is an actual moderate drinker and when I see him pour a glass, I always seem to want to also. Anyway, I don't know if you have any advice for me, but I guess I am wondering if there is a Catholic support network for people who don't really need AA, but who might want to quit drinking. Yours, Justine. Okay, interesting um, interesting question, because I, I completely understand um, that someone could be in that place where they're thinking about their drinking, they're concerned about their drinking, don't like their drinking, and yet 
don't really feel like they're a raging alcoholic that needs AA, right? Because if you sign up for AA, everybody's going to be there and you might not feel like you have a place there. That said, um, I have not had experience myself personally going to these meetings, but uh, they are welcoming of everybody. So um, I think anybody who feels inclined to check that out, go and see if that that will be a good fit for you or not. Sounds like Justine doesn't feel like it will be. Um, so first of all, I do want to say that I will pray for you, Justine, and anybody who's experiencing this. Um, and and know that this is a common problem. Our culture doesn't really help with this, especially with all the mommy drinking memes. And, and you know, some of them are funny. And um, I, it feels like our culture, though, has embraced this idea that being a parent, being a mom especially, is so hard that you need to be drinking all the time. Like, they kind of latched onto that quote-unquote joke in a way that isn't healthy, especially for somebody who struggles with drinking in any capacity. Um, so I, I get that. And as much as I also enjoy a glass of wine, enjoy two glasses of wine, um, and that I, I get it, that I feel like it goes too far, our, our culture does, and it can encourage this kind of thing. And it, and it can encourage many women finding themselves in the, exactly the place where you are, Justine, where you're not comfortable with the level of drinking that's going on in your own life and not sure exactly how to handle that. Um, so, uh, recognize it is a common problem. It is a common issue. I am not aware of like AA light <laughs> or anything like that, but somebody listening might be. Um, and there is a group Catholics in recovery, which is, um, it's Catholic themed, but I, I think it, it very much is along the lines of AA, um, uh, Scott Weeman is the founder of that. He's an author at Ave Maria Press. I've met him a few times. So I can definitely recommend that resource for people who might want a Catholic flavored version of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but I don't know of something that's um, more minimal than that. But I, I bet there is something out there, at least a Facebook group or something along those lines. Um, if anybody knows of a resource just that you would describe in that way, please let me know and I will share it on a future show here, um, because I think it is a common problem. And I can understand the, the desire for an organization like that or a program or a resource of some kind, that kind of support. Um, but speaking of support, Justine, I want to encourage you to enlist your husband's support. You mentioned how him pouring a glass makes you want a glass and he doesn't seem to have an issue with his drinking. But have you shared with him that you have these negative feelings about your own drinking? If you haven't, you need to do that. Let him know. Um, and that doesn't mean he has to stop drinking, but it, it does mean perhaps he could be supportive of you in whatever your plan is going to be in however you're, you're going to be taking this on. And I do want to encourage you to take it on. And, I, you know, you're aware of this for a reason. It is bothering you for a reason because it's it's out of place. It's too much and it it's harming you. Right. So. Enlist your husband's support. Let him know that you want to address this issue. And then I really want to encourage you to start small. You don't feel like you need to go to AA. That's that's fine. Um, but maybe see if you can go for a week without drinking or or three days. You know, whatever wherever you're at, start there and, and look to expand it a little bit. Um, some people decide to do, you know, 30 days without any alcohol and just see how it feels. See how you do with it. You might not want to do something as drastic as 30 days, but maybe doing a week makes sense, right? Um, so, and when you do that, in whatever capacity you decide to decide not to drink for now, right? Look to expand it. If you decide, I'm going to go three days without drinking. If you do that, okay, then say, I'm going to go a week without drinking. 
if you can do that, um, then say, I'm going to go for 30 days and, and kind of take it from there. But during that time of not drinking, um, see how you feel. Make a note of the positive changes you notice in how you feel about yourself, how you feel about life, how you feel in the morning, how you feel physically, spiritually, emotionally, how your psyche is doing, how your self-confidence is. Make a note of all the positive changes because it will be easy to notice the negative. Like, oh, I'm not having a glass of wine right now and I really want a glass of wine. Sounds like it's wine for you, Justine. Um, but make a note of those, those positive changes during that time that you're not drinking. And then uh, finally, I really want to encourage you to replace your drinking with something, right? Not some other habit-forming thing <laughs> like ice cream. <laughs> but... Something like a glass of seltzer. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really lame when what you really want is a glass of wine. But let me tell you, there have been times in my life where I've decided, you know what? I, I'm drinking too often and I don't want to be. And what I realized was like I was in that habit of in the evenings, we'd like, you know, maybe Dan and I would watch a television show together and that's when I would have a glass of wine. I really loved that relaxation. It was fun. And that's what I was craving. And yeah, we could still watch the television show, but I was I was missing having something to sip on. It didn't necessarily have to be wine. And yeah, I still would miss the wine if I put seltzer in my wine glass, but it it still felt nice. And it was, you know, using a nice glass for it, having something to sip on during that time. I, I felt like it was a nice replacement. And, um, you know, look for something like that. Uh, whatever it might be for you, not something <laughs> damaging and habit forming. Don't replace a vice with a vice, right? But l look for something that you can kind of replace that physical habit with, because th that might be a large part of it. Um, or having a cup of tea. If you like the way that wine relaxes you, have a cup of herbal tea and make note of the way that that also can relax you. Or, you know, do a session of yoga or a meditation on the Hallow app, right? Like, Note the ways that these other things can relax you. Healthy things can relax you. And I find that replacing it with something, even if it doesn't fully satisfy you, can be enough of a distraction um, that you can avoid that, that temptation to go back to the thing. Um, and this applies to all things, whatever you might, whatever habit you might be trying to break. And then the last thing I want to mention, Justine, is if these things don't work for you, then, then do be open to getting some help seeking some support because it might be a larger problem than you realize what's going on. And thanks be to God, you are aware of it and that you want to address it um, before, you know, your spiral so far downward that you feel like you can't come back from it. I, I think that's a wonderful thing. And you have a wonderful sense of self-awareness. So I really want to encourage you to um, pursue that and, and get to the bottom of it and fix this before it becomes a larger problem that you you feel like you can't make minor adjustments to control. So, um, and then, you know, I am praying for you. And all of us here at Girlfriends will be praying for you. I love that we are a community of prayer support with and, and for one another. Um, one of the ways that you can become a more active member of our prayer support is by joining our Girlfriends Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com slash groups 
slash girlfriends podcast. If you can't remember all of that, remember, subscribe to the show notes um, or go to ascensionpress.com and get the link there. You do have to request to join it as a private Facebook group, but it's a wonderful way that you guys can have access to one another and that we can be encouraging and supporting each other. You can go there if you have a prayer request. You can go there um, to let others know that you are praying for them. You can go there if you have additional advice, maybe along the lines of what Justine is searching for here or advice for supporting your kids in their faith lives or the different topics we take up here on the podcast. It's a great way that we can kind of go further in our connection and in our discussions. All right. The last thing I want to mention before we have to go here are those discount codes. You can still get discounts on my two newest books, um, You Are Enough, which is available from Ascension Press, and Giving Thanks and Letting Go, newly available from Ave Maria Press. So if you go to ascensionpress.com and order You Are Enough, you can use the code GIRLFRIENDS to get 10% off your order. There is a companion journal for that book, and it's been a really popular book for people to do together in groups, especially during this time when we are not gathering in groups with our girlfriends in real life, many of us, not in the ways that we are accustomed to doing. A lot of people have been doing virtual women's groups with that book and using the free companion journal with that book. If you want the free companion journal, you can reach out to me and I will be glad to send it to you. Danielle at daniellebean.com. Free to print and share. Use it in your groups or use it for your own private use. And then Giving Thanks and Letting Go Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood is my newest book available from Ave Maria Press. You can go to AveMariaPress.com and get your copy there. If you are ordering from Ave Maria Press, first of all, you can read the first chapter for free. It's downloadable there at AveMariaPress.com. You can check out the content of the book in that way. Um, also, when you order the book from Ave Maria Press, you can use the code BEAN20 at checkout and get 20% off your order. And final freebie bonus, there is a free companion journal for that book as well. It is brand new. Not a lot of people have used it yet. You can download that for free at the Ave Maria Press website. So AveMariaPress.com. Check out the free companion journal for giving thanks and letting go there. I want to thank you for being part of today's show. It is so encouraging to me to know that you are out there, that you are listening, that you give me feedback in all the ways you do for the things we share here at Girlfriends. I'm always so grateful for you and know that I am praying for you. I will be praying for you in the coming week and looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Thank you for your presence. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends, it's a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension. Be leader in Catholic faith formation.